like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk then welcome to the just not sports podcast this is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything and everything they like just not sports on today's show we'll talk to gilbert brown about his love of cars and we'll ponder whether anyone with the nickname the Gravedigger should ever be allowed behind the wheel and we'll also break down a heisman trophy winner's attempt to join the mma in his late 40s because a lifetime of being tackled in the head just wasn't enough. I am your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago, and joining me in studio is a leading media strategist who's worked for the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and, of course, many global sports brands, or as he asked to be called last week, PR guy. Just a PR guy. It's Adam Allard. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Working off the turkey. Uh, Not so much working it off, but basking in the fatty... residue of turkey still being on my fingers. What was the best thing you ate on Thanksgiving? It's always stuff. My father-in-law makes an awesome stuffing, like sausage in it. It goes in the turkey. I learned about the difference between stuffing and dressing. Dressing is cooked externally. Like, you just put it in a bowl. Our producer Joe's nodding like, how could you ever not know this? Um, Stuffing is in this. It's stuffed in the turkey. So stovetop cooked on a stovetop is dressing. Unless it's cooked on the stovetop inside a bird. Then inside. It would be stuffing. Understood. Fascinating. <laughs> Understood. What was the best thing you ate? Uh, my girlfriend made pumpkin pie. First attempt ever. Fantastic. Wow. Pumpkin yeah. pie. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, you, are you pie guy? I don't know. Huge pie guy. Oh. I heard this, though. Cherry pie, unacceptable to have at Thanksgiving. Agree or disagree? There's no, there should be no rule. Pie, you bring a pie to Thanksgiving, it's like someone showing up with alcohol to your Christmas party. Thanks. At Thanksgiving we'll celebration I was at, someone seemed outraged that there was cherry pie present, and I disagree. Yeah, they're not a good person. I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> um, our other co-host, uh, who you guys met last week, Gareth Hughes, already gone, <laughs> on location. He regrets his absence this week. Gareth, we love you. We're thinking of you. We'll see you next week. Uh, real quick, some housekeeping. Thank you to all the listeners who continue to make us uh, highly visible on iTunes. Go search us, Just Not Sports. Spread the word. Subscribe. Rate. Review. We love you. You're all beautiful, unique sparkle ponies to us, in the words of our former guest, Chris Cluey. Also, oh, our theme song, Chris Cluey. Uh, so we had him on two shows ago. He has agreed to let his band, Tripping Icarus, Lend us a song called Come Together, in case you're wondering what our theme song is. So thank you, Chris, and thank you all the listeners who are going to make this the number one song on iTunes this week ahead of Adele. (laughs) Uh, Real quick, Adam, before we get into the interview with Gilbert, we've been talking about, as we start doing more shows, who do we want to have on? Mm -hmm. And I know... You know, we've got sort of people we've worked with, people we know have big passions, but sometimes we just got to throw the hammer down and just like be like, you're, you are, have been invited. And if you don't show up, it's as rude as bringing a cherry pie to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Correct. Good comparison. And you did that last week. You kind of threw, you called out some of your former cohorts at the Packers. I, I did. Amon Green, AJ Hawk. Uh, I followed up with both of you. One of you has answered, I won't call anyone out, but one of you has answered, one of you continues to ignore me. I would like to have both of you on, so please respond. 
So who else? Give me one name, two names, whatever you want. Who else do you want to throw down? I'm just going to give you one name. He's the ultimate, ultimate renaissance man in sports as far as I'm concerned, uh, and that's John Cena. Uh, John Cena. Okay. Thinking small, thinking attainable. John Cena, he's a philanthropist, uh, does a lot of work with the military. We know that he is a rapper. Shea Serrano shouted him out a couple of episodes yeah. ago. Uh, and he's also an actor, I will say impressively, an impressive comedic role in Trainwreck, uh, w- which I saw for the second time. Yes, I've seen Trainwreck twice. Uh, <laughs> I saw for the second time over the weekend. So I do want to say, John Cena, please come to our show. Was he good in Trainwreck? Very funny. Better than LeBron? No. Oh, maybe we need to have that debate. LeBron versus John Cena in, in the that movie, movie. Trainwreck? LeBron steals the show. Yeah, I didn't see it. I have a two-year-old. The last movie I saw was like Zero Dark Thirty. Really? In the theater. Yeah. Very similar movies, so. Yeah, Trainwreck, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw out some RSVPs. Well, let's call them RSVPs. So at your convenience, RSVP, uh, ESPN's Michelle Beadle. One of the most entertaining follows on Twitter about her dogs and I know we had the debate on, is it enough to just come on and talk about your pets and stuff? With her, absolutely. If you can talk in depth about a subject, even if it's a subject that's only important to you, meaning your dogs, then yes, that qualifies. Yeah, in depth. Her Twitter feed is like Tolstoy writing about dogs. It's like, it goes deep. It gets into their heads. I love it. It's really good. And then the other one, in case you guys follow us at Twitter, um, on Twitter at Just Not Sports. I did throw it down to Chad Johnson, formerly Chad Ochocinco. Um, he he just could not stop tweeting about the new Adele album, and so I was like, "Hey, Chad, we run a <laughs> we run a podcast about what athletes like away from sports. Would you like to come on the show and just talk about Adele? I won't ask you anything else." And uh, no reply. I'm guessing his phone got lost or broken. So as soon as he reads it, she'll be back on. I have one more. Okay, Bill Bellamy. <clears throat> Yeah, that Bill Bellamy. <laughs> Bill Bellamy, former MTV VJ uh, and star of How to Be a Player. Uh, I ran into him uh, coming back from L.A. a couple weeks ago. We exchanged information. Um, I've reached out about the podcast. He said, hey, man, how are things going? When I got into the podcast, he stopped replying. <laughs> um, so, Bill Bellamy, uh, I want you on the podcast. Um, I want you to talk rock and jock. I want you to talk about your role in any given Sunday. Yes. Um, and just being a sports journalist pioneer in general, we want you on Just Not Sports. I so want to talk to him. Hit me back. I want to talk to him about the best moment ever in rock and jock. Flea's 25 point shot to win the game, right? No, the Queen Latifah steal on Sean Kemp, coast to coast layup, is the best moment in rock and jock history. Well, Bill. Please, come on. Let's break it all down. Let's bring it all back. Uh, All right, those are our RSVPs. If you're listening, when I know you are, hit us up. Open invitation. Adam, let's take a quick break. When we get back, our interview with Gilbert Brown. Oh, now look here, my boy. It's about to start. Fill it, my boy, with the sound of your heart. Make it go boom, shalom. We welcome to the show 
one of my all-time favorite athletes who I had the pleasure of working with in Green Bay. Gilbert Brown was one of the most physically dominant players for the Packers during the 90s and early 2000s. He's a member of the Packers Hall of Fame and was part of the Super Bowl 31 championship team and played in 15 Packers playoff contests, second only to Brett Favre. But we're not going to talk about any of that today. Today, we're going to talk about Gilbert and his love of cars and his love of working with me, of course. Gilbert, how are you? <laughs> What's up, Adam, man? What's going on? How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I, actually, I'm in the Motor City as we speak. So, Gilbert, you mentioned you're in Detroit today. How much did growing up in the Motor City influence your love for cars? Well, actually, my father, he uh, he worked for the Chrysler uh, Corporation, Jefferson Assembly Plant. So, you know, growing up, you know, my dad always had um, a Chrysler car or something. So my love of Mopars, you know, if you know what that is, you know, you got your bow ties and you have all that stuff, Fords and stuff. But the king is Mopar. Mopar's king. Did I say that already, King Mopar? Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> but anyway, in Detroit, man, uh, uh, you got all types of cars from old school to new school. And, you know, that's the way we grew up. Even even, even a van, you know, if you can remember back in the day when they used to have the shag wagons and all this stuff and all, all that stuff, man, the love of, for cars for me, you know, it's crazy because I, I'm like, you know, you know how a woman like her shoes, you know, so I like <laughs> yes. my cars, man, you know what I'm saying? Gilbert, I, my dream car growing up was one of those vans that had like, because the middle seats were like recliners. <laughs> I don't know why. I always well, wanted you, one. Well, well, I, I, I'm going to go deeper than that, man. If, if you had the real van, you had a bed in the back. <laughs> and some guys had the water bed. The water, now, you know what they used them beds for back in the day. I don't know, just PG or whatever. But oh, no, you can go, water bed. go open it up. <laughs> <laughs> the water bed in the back was, was key. But, you know, even with the crushed velvet um, floors that were so soft, you, you, you get in there and just lay down in there. You know, my dad had a van. My uncle had a van. You know, and, and between those two, it was like sibling rivalry. Whose car looked the best? You know what I'm saying? If it, if, it, if it was the van or if it was the cars or whatever. But then it just trickled down to your kids, man. And I got I caught that fever so bad, it's killing me, man. It's killing me. How many siblings do you have? And, and can you talk about the comparison and, and the way your cars looked? Well, I mean, I mean, like I said, no comparison. You know, I, I got uh, right now I have a total of like 26 cars. Oh, in my no. uh, in my garage, man. So you know, it, it's it, it, it's it's crazy. And you know what? You know, you know, I was doing a signing in Chicago. Uh, I think it was last week. And guess who I ran into? Who loved cars? Who's that? Reggie Jackson. No kidding. I about fainted, man. You ever see you? You know how fans do. You know how fans do, and they run around. And say, I almost fainted, man. I almost fainted for real. For real. 
So 26 cars, do you have to just like make up excuses to get out of the house? Do you just like forget stuff at the store just to get, you know, get some of those guys back on the road? No, 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 no. Wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. I don't know how you do it in your house, but in my house, when I want to go out to my car and talk to my babies, ain't nobody going to tell me I can't get out there and talk to my babies, man. Yeah, Gilbert, I drive. Get out the way. <laughs> I drive a 2004 Jetta. <laughs> I I don't need any excuse to get outside and, and talk to my baby. <laughs> What's your? You get that thing. You get that thing. It sounds like a lawnmower, don't it? It sounds like a helicopter. <laughs> I'm like Airwolf. Uh, Gilbert, okay. what's, what car of your 26? Give us a rundown a little bit about the types of cars you have and um, just sort of the connection that you feel with maybe a few of them. Well, I mean, I'll put it this way. Like, my dad had a uh, 1971 uh, Plymouth Roadrunner. And in my collection, I have two. And everybody asked me, why do you got two rolling? Same thing. I said, no, I mean, they're the same body style, but one is a, a 71 383 uh, automatic, okay? And then I got a, a 71 440 six pack with stick shift in it, pistol grip. You know what I'm saying? One's orange, one's red. Yeah. Um, and that and, and the. You know, and then and then I, actually, I got another roller on. <laughs> it's a four twenty six Hemi, nineteen sixty nine roller on. So I mean, everybody said, "Dang, you know, you got two the same, you got one, you got three. And I mean, it's just, it's just for me, it's just the love of the cars, the look of the car, is how they handle. Uh, I mean, you just—I mean, just just sitting in, just sitting in one of them, man, and you look down. You know how you you push button nowadays, or you're doing this, and you take the key, you stick it in the dashboard, and turn the engine. Bam! You know what I'm saying? You open the hood. You in these new cars, you can't get your thing in there. I can get, I can get, I can get my whole hand in there. It's just, it's just, it's just like night and day. And I tell you, man. I got I got radios in them and whatever, but sometimes I just turn them off, roll the windows down, mm-hmm. and listen to it purr all the way down the street. <laughs> That's how you do. Gilbert, how many of the the twenty six do you actually drive, and how many are just show pieces? Well, well, I try to drive all of them. I try to drive all of them if I can, but I'm you know I'm, I'm do, doing my stuff in Wisconsin and going back and forth. Man, it's just. Like like some cars, you gotta have an attitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got a '63 Lincoln Suicide Doors. Now, if I get on me a double and put a stogie in my mouth, and I want to go cruise <laughs> with the windows down, listening to some Marvin Gaye, I'm gonna do that. Uh, you feel me? That's I mean, that's yeah, just, really. and then when I want to pound gears and go hard, I'm gonna go hard. What's the hardest car you have? What's the What's the car that you're like? This is the most horsepower, the most power underneath you when you're in it. See, see, there's a difference now. See, see, you know how women talk to their plants. Sure, I talk to my cars that way. So if I single, if I single one out, they're gonna get jealous and they ain't gonna want to start. So I don't do that. <laughs> oh, it's like choosing between your children. I see. I see. Yeah, you can't. You can't tell. You can't tell the one kid you better than the other one. They get jealous. I don't do that, man. Gilbert, my my mom told that to my sister all the time. 
<laughs> now that you now that you bring it up, maybe maybe something was wrong with her. <laughs> and yeah, and right. I'm clearly my parents' favorite child, right. so I don't know what you mean. Uh, your favorite PR guy of all time as well, Gilbert. Correct? Oh, oh, absolutely, Adam. You, you know, you actually, you know, I ain't never had to look up to a PR guy. You're pretty tall, man. <laughs> he is tall. You two, you two guys get. Come you on, need to, man. You guys, I want to see you guys going down the road in like your smallest car. What is your Gilbert? You, you are one of the biggest forces to ever play in the NFL. What is the smallest car you own, and 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 how do you have to have it customized to sort of, you know, just make it work for you? Well, I, I wouldn't say the smallest car I own, but I, I have bought me a uh, a uh, two thousand Bentley, okay, and and I bought it down in Houston, Texas, and me and George Foreman was looking at that car at the same time, and I think George went to go do something or get a check or something, and I said, "Why the money right now? I got to have this car before George come back. I got to get it right now, <laughs> now, now." And I wanted it, you know, and then before I even sat in the car. But then when I sat in the car, I said, God, dog, my chest is on the stand wheel, man. <laughs> you know, so I had to, <laughs> had to, I had to go and, and uh, uh, get the seats pushed back in it. But uh, it's a beautiful car. I still got that car to this day. I think I only got maybe 4,500 miles on that car since 2000. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it's safe to say you weren't going to challenge George Foreman for that car had he confronted you. Oh, no, I wouldn't go. I mean, now, now don't get it twisted. Now, if George says something about my mom, I'm going to get after <laughs> But, you know, in, 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 in this thing right here, I know I ain't going to mess with George like that. We're going to do it civil, you know what I'm saying? You got to be careful with George. He's got, that, he's got that grill money, that Foreman grill money. <laughs> I don't care what he got. I beat him to the punch that time. <laughs> hey, has there ever been a car that you, Gilbert? Has there ever been a car you really wanted that got away? Is there is there sort of a white whale you keep chasing? Oh man, I you know what I don't. It's you know what you, you get opportunities. You know what I'm saying? You get opportunities. Like I've been looking for this 1967 Dodge van like forever. It's like an you know it's it, it's like a bug eye front, and I finally got one, and I got it. And I've been really I've been really hunting after that '69 Charger. I've been really hunting after that. Haven't found the right one yet. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of cars that I want that I can't fit in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always wanted a, a Lamborghini, but I know I can't fit in that thing. I always wanted a Viper. I know I can't fit in that thing. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of cars out there that I would love to have, but I, I just I just don't fit in them. So now you're from Detroit. Yeah. Like, in terms of the make and model of your car, does American muscle always come first, or have you bought your fair share of foreign cars as well? Well, when it comes when it comes to like uh, muscle, uh, I'm straight American muscle. I mean, I mean, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't one of those guys that like to drive around with a yin 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 yin. No, we don't want that. No, no, no. We we got to have we got to have that. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, when it comes to foreign jobs and it's it's to go fast, no, I got to have that American muscle all the way. What was the first car you owned? Oh. Well, the first car I owned 
was uh, my you talking about like first car that was mine and like somebody gave whatever. Yeah, yeah. Would be uh, my dad gave me his nineteen seventy. 78, 79 Dodge Ram Charger. Wow, that's a great first car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I drove a, yeah, pa- so a, a Pontiac station wagon, Gilbert. <laughs> that was my first car. A Pontiac station wagon? <laughs> so sad. G- Gilbert, I got one for you. So, no problem with that. So my dad worked at a Ford dealership growing up. So my first car, mm-hmm. this was when they made half-year models. It was an 88 and a half. Ford Escort. <laughs> so eighty-eight and a half. Yeah, I never made it to any particular level of football, but I remember spring football one year, driving <laughs> myself and three other offensive linemen in that thing, and watching it almost tilt over to the side. <laughs> Tell me this: what 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 color was it? It was red. Red. It was eighty-eight red. and a half Ford Escort. And in the back, I had the Rockford Fosgate speakers that you you put together with the, the plywood you buy at Home Depot. It was awful. I blew a right, fuse every right. two weeks. Terrible. Was it red like cherry red or just like beat up awful red? A cherry, cherry like dusty red. Yeah, like rust. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of which, so speaking of terrible cars, Gilbert, you sounds like you've had a lot of great cars along the way. Do you have any regrets? Are there any lemons that you've purchased that you just say, I wish I could throw that one back? Uh, nah, not really. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. I had a, I had a uh, 1972 Chevy pickup truck when I was going to school. And uh, man, I I hit that thing up, man. I'm talking about. I worked so hard that summer, got all my money, got it freshly painted, had the nice rims and everything, and drove drove to Detroit and put all my stuff together. Drove it back to Kansas, and I fell asleep at the wheel, and had an accident. So we crashed it. And you know, my mom had um, she had a little money. She had uh hurt her back and stuff, so she got some money, and she was like, baby, I don't care. Are y'all all right? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, there's a truck here. And she bought me a, a – uh, I forgot what year it was. It was – it was. you remember them, like, Typhoons that they used to have? Chevy Typhoons looked like a blazer almost. So I bought – she bought that for me so I can get back to school and have a ride and stuff like that. But I hated that truck, man. I should say, hey, disliked it with a passion. You know what I'm saying? Just because just because I tore my truck and, and, and you know, this, I mean, it was it was nice-looking truck, man. It was lowered. It had rims on it. guy was like, hey, hey, I'll sell this to you for dirt cheap and da-da-da. And it ran good, but I hate. I disliked that truck with a passion. I couldn't wait to get out of that damn truck. Gilbert, mm. do, do you work on? Do, do you find joy in working on cars, or do you just like them to be up and running, and you don't want to get in there and mess with them all day? Man, you, you know what, man? When you you got twenty six cars, you better know how to do something. Man. So, <laughs> man, I, I mean, I learned. See, my dad, my dad used to um, drag race. So me and my brother was a part of his pit crew. So we had to learn the wrenches, the the the, the time and all that stuff, man. We had to learn how to do that. So, 
you know, the good thing about me and my brother with my dad was my dad would like if his alternator or something would go out, you know, he'll say, Dang, I need an alternator. So we go and you know, if somebody got an alternator laying around, we grab it and bring it back. You know, like, hey, Dad, we found one. <laughs> He's like, all right, put it up. <laughs> put it up so we can keep going. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I mean, we that's the thing about a car, man. I mean, it's great stress reliever. It's a great family building thing if you got kids and you want to, you wanna, you know, teach them things and spend time with them and stuff. I mean, it's just a, a car's a, a to me, a car's an awesome thing, you know what I mean? You can always tell a person by when you get in their car and sit down, what type of person they are. I mean, I'm just telling I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you, I don't care where you're at. You ever get my car, it's clean as a whistle from, 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 from old school to new school. That's how I am about my car. I treat my car like it's, like it's a part of me or one of my, one of my kids, you know? So you, so when you say you can tell a person by the way they sit in the car, just by the cleanliness or by the overall look of the car, can you can you yeah, explain that I mean, a little like, more? Let's take let's take for instance one of my homeboys, Mister Santana Dasa. Okay, <laughs> you get in his car and he got junk all over the place. You know, so just wrappers and, and, and feet prints all over everything. And then I say, I say, I say, uh, hey man, if you're on the side of a road and your tire go flat, you know, uh, and you got a spare time in the back, what you gonna do? He said, man, that's what AAA flow. Uh, I said, wow. So you can tell wow. by looking at the inside Prima of Donna. his. You can tell by just looking at the inside of his car. He did that. This is not a man who has any respect for cars. No, nah, I mean he. I mean, don't get me to it. Don't get me wrong. He got a nice. Uh, he got a nice Chevelle at the house. You know, we we go back and forth about Chevys and Dodges and stuff like that. So he got a nice Chevelle. And he got a he got a uh, uh, six four uh, Impala. You know, but you know his everyday car. His, I mean, I'm talking about I'm, that's how my everyday cars. His everyday car looks like mess. <laughs> Look like look like he just took look like he just changed a a, a kid's diaper and just threw it in the back seat. <laughs> so so it's not his baby like your car is your baby. Oh no, every car I got is my baby, my baby. Gilbert, this is a true story. This weekend, I got near my Jetta, which has a headlight out. I tried to change it myself. Mm-hmm. I had bought the wrong bulb, mm-hmm. and then I cut my hand mm-hmm. under underneath the fingernail. You know, like that part. In the garage, oh. and I, I started I started crying in the garage. Not like a full cry, Gilbert, but like one of those like where you're kind of tearing up because you're so frustrated, and I just like put it all back in and said, forget it. So I guess I would ask you, what does that say about me as a human being? <laughs> Says you soft. S-O-F-T. Soft. I am soft. I cannot oh. argue that. I mean, I mean, I mean that the, the most logical thing you can do on something like that, man, is like, and, and it's crazy, man. People don't really understand. You can go to AutoZone or wherever, man, and just pull up in there and say, "Hey, man, I need this, I need that," and and they're going make sure you got the right one. You know, don't just go in there and say, "I need that, that, that." No, I need to make sure. And nine times out of ten, if you have some, they'll put it in for you. I will, I won't put my own in. Though. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, it's kind of like certain people. Like they'll take their old school and they'll go get their oil changed at 
uh, wherever you go, Jiffy Lou, wherever you go, or something like that. But the thing about the old cars is a lot of them, you have to take the, uh, once you change the oil, you have to take the uh, oil filter off and prime it right. before you put it back on the car. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of these clowns don't know that. So, you know, you get a lot of guys when you're sitting around talking cars, man, I went over such and such, and my car did this. And I said, yeah, because you didn't prime. You didn't prime me an oil filter, man. So, I mean, just, you know, you got to love and learn your vehicle, man. So you know you were so lucky enough to have a father who, uh, who did drag racing. My father worked at a car dealership, so he taught me a thing or two, and I tried to make some of it stick. Um, but for those guys who are in their 20s or 30s and don't know, how, how do they approach learning? How, how have you given guys, maybe teammates, advice in the past on how to learn more about their car? Well, it just depends, man. It just depends. Like, 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 it depends on what genre of car you want to go with. You know what I'm saying? If you're an old school car lover, you know what I'm saying? Then, then, then you learn by uh, picking up the books, picking up whatever you can get in and get out of, of off of DVD or whatever. But the main thing is getting around with some car guys, man, and they will teach you the tricks of the trade. I mean, it's a lot of things in the books that you don't know. So you're sitting around with a bunch of guys or if you're in a car club or or you're just trying to learn yourself, man, the best thing to do is to get out there. And I'm telling you, whatever way you, highway you do it, it's the greatest stress reliever in the world. You know what I'm saying? If you got a hard day of your, your woman yelling at you or whatever it is, man, or da-da-da-da, just go on up, man, pop that hood open and, 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 and tinker with stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's the thing. You know, I don't know what you do with a Jetta. You know, but you cry in the garage by yourself, Robert. You cry by yourself when you're trying to change your life. Um, you mentioned that you mentioned the people that are around that, that work on cars that collect them, the the culture, the car culture that we hear about. I I'm curious, you because mm-hmm. this is probably a good transition to your the car show you've done with your foundation. When you're gathering all these people there and they're bringing these these vehicles, these machines, they have a lot of pride in. What is what is the mood and the, and the mentality like of the owners, and how good does it feel for everyone to get together and and talk talk about their craft? Well, a lot of people are different, man. Because I mean, you know, you do a car show, you know, they're, they're, the car show people are different from like a van show. You know, what I'm saying a van show is a different type of people from uh, uh, a bike show. You know, what I'm saying it's just that the attitude is just totally different. You know, and and a lot of people, you know, when they go to these shows and they 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 really shine them up and do whatever, and then you know they got certain uh, trophies that they give out, like best of show or, or best paint job or worst paint job or the ugliest car. It just depends on what it is. You know, what I'm saying you got to get your mind right for that. So uh, the people, uh, nine times a ten are real nice, you know, for the most part, you know, because, you know, if you're out there for four or five hours all a day, all day, you know, saying so you're barbecuing or whatever you're doing and you're hanging out and you're waiting until the trophy comes out and stuff like that, you know, the, the, the worst thing I have done is I have never been to the Woodward Cruise in Detroit. That is the biggest show around. 
you know what I'm saying? They got miles and miles of cars and stuff. And I've, I've had, I'm always doing something. I'm always out of town and all. I, but I told myself, there's two things on my bucket list I want to do. One is um, to get to the Wilbur Cruz, and the other one is go to Sturgis. Uh, well, oh, yeah. Sturgis, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to let Brad go to Sturgis, but <laughs> I do think we should follow you to, what's the name of the event in Detroit? The Woodward Cruise. I mean, you you, you guys look it up online, man. It's, it is we'll the it is the car show enthusiasts. I mean, because all kind of cars. Are there. It's not just this is everybody. It's cars, vans, trucks, everything. They're, they're all out there. It's on them. And Woodward is one big long street in Detroit, and you'll understand what I'm talking about when you look it up. Gilbert, what happened? My jet will be there. We'll be there by morning. Hey, uh, okay. <laughs> hey, Gilbert, I, I know you're really into American muscle and, and tough cars and the room sound, but but not all NFL players are. Uh, what do you think of the the trend of the cars you see in most NFL parking lots? So you got the rims, the lights, the spinners, the lift kits, etc. Um, to each his own, or do you think it should be banned? No, man, I mean, everybody got their own flavor. And, and, and a lot of guys, you know, like, I don't I don't like to see, like, a, a certain 60, let's say a 67 or whatever it is, whatever cutlass there is with the rims look like they 36 inches or something like that, and it's all jacked up. I, I mean, I, that ain't my flavor. You know, to each his own, some guys like that. You know, I, I don't, but. You know, um, when it comes down to cars, everybody has their own deal, you know. And and, and to me, um, when I was in Green Bay, you know, I, I would drive one of the old schools up there to park or whatever. And, you know, everybody would, hey, hey, hey. It, but it's, it's, it's about it's about to express it, you know. I mean, some guys like it that way, some guys don't. You know, I don't judge nobody, you know, on, on the appearance of, the, the way they do their car. You know, it's just an expression of them. And some people don't give a damn and some people do and it shows, you know, it shows. I mean, I, I, I remember when I was, uh, uh, we was in green Bay and it was like 10 inches of snow on the ground, slush and everything like that. And, and Terry Glenn pulls up in his Bentley, just pull up in there, barely making it through the gate with all the snow. And I'm like, dude, really? You know what I'm saying? Get your truck or something, man. Put that car up, man. You know, it, 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 all this snow, you ain't gonna be, you know, he didn't care. He was, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But to me, that was a crime. <laughs> oh, Lord, what's wrong with that boy? You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to go rent him a truck myself, but, you know, everybody got their own thing and everybody got their own flavor, but, you know, it's just it's just how you present yourself to your car. It- you talk about Terry Glenn's car uh, and his Bentley. Um, a lot of players have the Bentley. Um, a lot of them have the Escalade or the SUV. Is there any unique car that one of your teammates has that you were jealous of or that you would particularly compliment them on? Well, it's a lot of my teammates had nice cars, you know what I'm saying? A lot of them had uh uh, beautiful cars, as they say, and uh, you know it's like a teammate of mine. Uh, he came over from Chicago. John Theory he had a 1969 Charger that was really nice. Um, 
some guys, you know. I mean, it's just it's a lot of different cars that, you know, I like. But to me personally, I like mine. So uh, I ain't going to tap no dude up on his car. I like mine, man. Uh, Brett Favre, not a car guy. Is that correct? No, no, no. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> He got a free truck from Ford every other week, so it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to uh, to get into it if people just keep driving new cars to your house. Uh, Gilbert, <laughs> one of the things that we do we we know that athletes um, have to go through those annoying aptitude tests, like when you're at the combine, you know, the Wonderlick. And so right. we have our Just Not Sports Wonder Like, where we ask you five questions about the thing that you like. So Adam here has five okay. questions about cars, locked and loaded. Are okay. you are you ready? Sir, yes, sir. Some of these are a little more difficult than others, but here we go. Question number one. In the influential car chase movie, Bullet, Steve McQueen drives what kind of car? You should know this. You, you, Mustang. Yes. You name dropped it earlier. In particular, the 1968 Ford Mustang 390 G2 GT 2 plus 2 Fastback. It's a mouthful. Uh, simpler question. Question number two. When jumping a car battery, which jumper cable gets connected first? <laughs> so you won't blow yourself up? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a, you know, really... You know, really, it depends on if you jump in the car, you put you put a uh, uh, positive negative on, and then you put positive negative on the other car. I, I don't really think it's like, you know, negative first part. To me, it's positive negative on one car, then it's positive negative on the other car. Well, according to the internet, Gilbert, it's red positive. Yeah. But we'll take your word for it. We'll count no, that as so a I was right. Two for yeah. two. Well, and two, well and, I said positive negative, yeah, didn't I? You did. Didn't I say positive negative? You did. Yeah. You win. No, I, Y'all I, getting too technical on me, man. <laughs> we'll count it. We'll count it. I mean, in two weeks when uh, uh, the thousands of iTunes listeners have blown themselves up, we'll know who to blame. <laughs> but it's cool. We'll count it. Well, it ain't me because I got it right. You're positive correct. negative, man. You are correct. Uh, what is the only Fast and Furious movie that does not feature Vin Diesel's character. Was it uh, two? Yes. Wow. Too fast, too furious. Now, this is for the listeners at home. Let me break this down really quick. He's in one. He's not in two. It's Paul Walker and I believe Ludacris. That's how Ludacris came in. He makes a cameo in three, which I believe is actually number six in the narrative of the story. And then in four, they brought everyone back, and that's how he did it. I'm impressed, Gober. That's, that's, that most people would have been thrown off. They would have said Tokyo Drift. You got it right? Outstanding. Do you like those movies, Gilbert? Absolutely, man. Watch, look at that movie. It's all them Dodgers in there. The lead cars are 69 Charger. Come on, man. <laughs> That's a yes. I yes, that's a that yes. is a yes. Uh, question number four. The host of the popular NPR show, Car Talk, featured two hosts who went by what nicknames? Car Talk. I take it you're not a fan. Mm, no. Car Talk? No. Never. Uh, they must be talking about some old jalopies or something. Like that. <laughs> I ain't never seen that one. <laughs> 
They probably were. It's now, the show. The, the show to watch. The show to watch is like Graveyard Cars or something like that, man. But that one, I ain't got that one. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm three and one. So let's go. All right, That's all right, all right. Last one. It was the Click w- and Clack, by the way. Click, click and Clack. And clack. Uh, so a bit of movie and car trivia on this last one. In the movie Old School, Will Ferrell gives his loud red sports car what name? Will Ferrell. He was Frank the Tank in that one. Yes. He Frank was Frank the Tank. Uh, uh, I, mean, I don't know, man. I ain't watched that That's movie. a tough one. The Red Dragon. The Red Dragon, really? Do you, Gilbert, do you name your cars? No. You've never, have you ever named a car? No, no, I don't name them. Uh-uh. No, they, they what they are, you know? Gilbert, we, um, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell us um, a little bit about the Gilbert Brown Foundation before we let you go and also some of the anti-bullying work you're doing? Oh, yeah. My my uh, my foundation is the Gilbert Brown Foundation. It's uh, gilbertbrownfoundation.org. We do over 144 different charities uh, from cancer to to uh, bullying to a lot of different things, man. It's just my foundation is totally um, catering to the kids. You know, um, I do a lot of football camps and, and like car shows and different things like that. I do a, actually I do a big football camp in Milwaukee, which uh, I feed them breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's totally free to the kids. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always out fundraising and doing stuff to facilitate that because sometimes I get from 500 to 800 kids come through that camp. Man, I got to get them T-shirts and food and different things like that. So I really I really enjoy that, <clears throat> and I really enjoy it, and I'm proud of my foundation. And uh, please check it out, GilbertBrownFoundation.org. I'm on Twitter at Gilbert Brown. So check me out. You know, I'm always doing some car stuff. I actually, when you pull up my Twitter page, I got a little uh, picture of some of my cars on there. So it's pretty cool too. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I noticed that you look good on, you look good in the, uh, in the cover photo there. Are those all your cars? No, that's not all of them, man. That's a few. I can't fit all oh. of them in the picture. <laughs> no, I just meant, do you own all the ones that we see? <laughs> and clearly, yes. <laughs> right. That's just a, that's a smidget, man. That's a smidget, man. Well, Gilbert, thank you so much for coming on. The work you do with the foundation is is great. As you said, people can follow you at Gilbert Brown on Twitter. Um, we really appreciate it. You got such great passion for cars. It was a great conversation. Thank you for being here. Hey, man, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it, and uh, take care of that Jetta, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not my baby. I'm giving it up. I'm dropping it off at the orphanage tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, shoot. Gilbert, uh, thanks thanks again. We really appreciate you taking the time. Hey, no problem, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on there. Today, Herschel Walker is remembered primarily for one of two things, being one of the all-time greatest college football players ever and being traded by the Dallas Cowboys for 1,000 draft picks, all of whom became future Hall of Fame players. Adam, I don't have that stat in front of me, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's what happened in that trade. But what makes Walker a Hall of Famer on this show 
is how he redefined himself after football. In his 40s, Walker decided a lifetime of hard hits just wasn't enough, so he took his talents to the octagon to compete in mixed martial arts. So, Adam, you do MMA. Could you beat Herschel Walker in a fight? What I do is more for street combat than competition. I'm scared. It would be more of like a hybrid martial art as opposed to mixed martial arts. And very simply, no way. He would <laughs> you know, kill me. He would crush me. He was a rare combination of agility and speed and power that I think would be tough to handle. But that said, how much of MMA you, – so you are an expert. I, we joke, but you do it. How much of it is more technique and not just raw skill? It's mostly – so I would say in its infancy – um, you had a lot of guys who were brawlers who could get away with winning some fights um, because they were just outstanding in one particular discipline. Um, but now, so you used to have guys who'd come up in one discipline um, and then enter into the octagon really focusing on one thing um, and have a chance at winning a fight. These days, most guys are training in all disciplines, um, which is very hard to do. So uh, as a mixed martial artist, you'll have a kickboxing coach and a boxing coach and a jiu-jitsu coach. So it's it's very technical. So I would say almost impossible to do as a novice, no matter how good you are at your particular fighting discipline. I don't remember his exact age when he started doing this, but it was definitely post-40. 47 years old. 47, wow. Um, so he was a fifth-degree taekwondo black belt. Uh, and I wanted to do this for quite some time. And in 2009, um, announced that he'd be joining the now defunct Strike Force. So wait, um, to break that break that down for me. What is what is Stri- Strike Force? Sounds like a movie yeah. with John Cena, so, not a thing that someone would join. So if UFC is the major league, Strike Force was a minor league. It has since been swept okay. up by Dana White, as have many. Uh, of UFC's competitors, um, but at the time, Strike Force was quite popular. Most of the top guys still fighting at the UF, top guys fighting at the UFC level because the money was better. Um, but a lot of good fighters came out of out of Strike Force. So, but he this was a minor league, and I'm not diminishing what he did. It's awesome. You play football your whole life. You decide you're going to do something else. I mean, you're a PTP or to right. quote Dick Dick Vitale, but. It's not, it's not like he, for someone like me as a novice, it's not like he went into the major leagues and was fighting the best of the best. It's hard to say. Um, there, were definitely, there are definitely some top fighters in the UFC now that came from Strikeforce. Um, so was he a top fighter? No. Was he in an organization that had some of the best fighters in the world? Yes. As good as the UFC, I would say no. Was he the only one who could do 3,500 push-ups a day? Yes. I mean, that is a lot of push-ups. Think about how much time that would take you. So, Wait, I got that wrong. It's 3,500 sit-ups, 1,500 push-ups he said that he did every day. And just so people understand, if you're younger or you didn't read Sports Illustrated Kids in the 1980s, when you read that as like me, as like eight-year-old me, you were like, this is Hercules, and no one can do that many sit-ups. It's virtually impossible, uh, <laughs> just the time that it would take. But Herschel Walker claims that he's never lifted a weight. Which, <laughs> so this is a guy we're talking about who played in the USFL and the NFL. If you, compi- if you combined his yardage from both leagues, 
25,283 combined yards, which had he spent that whole time in the NFL and racked up the same stats, would have put him first all-time on the NFL's list. So just a physical freak, went to the University of Georgia, and yet never lifted a weight, did martial arts, did ballet, and a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. Perhaps the most <laughs> unusual thing about him, uh, only ate one meal a day, uh, did not eat breakfast or lunch, and ate a dinner that consisted mainly, made up mostly of soup, bread, and salads. Okay. Because that's a lot of lies. <laughs> okay, we have to we, we have to kind of sift through. First of all, I'm going to quote. Wait, are you calling Herschel Walker a liar? I'm just going to quote. There was there were a few reports in the '80s that said that other players kind of thought his workout re- regimen was overblown. That like, oh, he might have done 1,500 push-ups a day, but he's dropping and doing like 50 at a time. Now, hey, oh, no, sure. no judgment. I can't do 50 push-ups, you know, five or six times throughout the day without you know needing a, a like a nap, but. I, I, I do think the reports around the numbers and the volume of what he was doing may have – it may not equal what another NFL player might have been doing in the weight room. You know what I mean? They may have been slightly exaggerated, with which athletes have been known to do. And I don't think he ever claimed that he did them consecutively, um, but he did say that was his daily volume. I don't also would question how much he was really counting – on a daily basis versus guesstimating, similar to Wilt Chamberlain saying he slept with 10,000 women, which we also know is mathematically impossible. Speaking of the math of this, if if you did for your whole, for let's just say 20 to 30 years of vigorous activity, plus only eating soup, plus 1,500 or 3,500 sit-ups a day, how many times do you think he shit his pants? <laughs> and is that a record? I have no idea what you mean. Soup plus 3,500 sit-ups a day. Your only meal is like, I do one meal a day. It's a bowl of soup. And then I do 3,500 sit-ups. Oops, I shit, my, I shit myself again. Well, I think he's just, I think he's, a, uh, in all seriousness, he's such an anomaly. Probably never shit his pants. <laughs> also a lie. I'm just saying. All right, I want to get I want to get into the MMA because we his the rest of him around the rest of the sort of narrative around Herschel Walker in the 80s is a deep cut that we don't need to go to. Right. MMA specifically, how many fights did he do professionally? He did two. He is two, two he fights. Okay. Is a combined two and zero. Oh. And I want real quick. I want to preface this for for listeners because we we sound like we're joking around. Awesome that he would do. Yeah. Two, if you if you're a for, if you're a former athlete and you do one of something else, that's cool to us. So we're not judging that he's not the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah. So I think both were impressive um, because I, I think when you see a guy come into MMA and win a fight, a lot of times it's by stand up. So it's. Um, it, it was exactly what it sounds like. You're standing up in the ring, you hit a guy with a shot, um, and he goes down. Both of these, um, Herschel Walker had gotten the guy to the ground um, in his first and second fight. He made. He basically had the the ref had to stop both fights uh, by technical knockout due to punches. So. Herschel Walker had established position on the ground, was throwing punches, and when the referee determines that a guy is not in a position to defend himself, he will call the fight. Uh, and both of one first fight, uh, it took Herschel all three rounds to get the technical knockout. Second, and against uh, a much better fighter, 
he beat him early into the um, first round. So for a guy who at 47 years old and at the time of his second fight, I believe he was 48 years old, uh, to knock a guy out by TKO in the first round, outstanding. Why did he quit? Uh this was the thing I couldn't really find and would love any listener feedback. Um, but I, I think the only thing I could really find is that his family was concerned that at his age he was putting his body uh, in jeopardy of really being hurt. He was shitting himself every day yeah. <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> um, but I, it really seemed to be a safety thing more than anything. However, he has said now... At, 53 years old, um, that he is interested in competing once more in mixed martial arts. Um, there have been a few other guys who have done it, but this would be a truly Rocky-like story. Well, not quite Rocky. Yeah. But an impressive story nonetheless if you were able to compete at 53 years old and win. As a casual MMA fan, I would say the greatest fighter of all time is Kimbo Slice because oh, oh he's the one who had, had the, probably the most ESPN the magazine covers. Walker versus Slice. <laughs> Break it down for me. Put him in the octagon together. Who wins? The, the, bar, the hard part is you say this kidding. Break, break it analysis. down as Joe Rosa, as Joe Rogan. <laughs> Break it down, Adam. I'm, break it down as Joe Rogan. I'm, I don't do a, I don't do Joe Rogan or any impressions really so i'm gonna do it as me brad all right fine or we can go get an octagon if you'd like uh (laughs) so no uh so here's what i think i think uh kimbo slice probably takes him down in the first round so kimbo slice (laughs) you put your money on kimbo slice he lost to seth petroselli he had red hair he uh he did he has lost to some inferior fighters He's also had some decent wins. He's had a lot of in, controversy in around bum him. fighting. He had some big bum fights. He, Herschel Walker's two and zero, and he won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Kimbo Slice is an active MMA participant. A lot of controversy around him, including uh, a commentator who said every time Kimbo Slice gets in the ring, MMA takes a step backward. However, all that said, uh, Kimbo Slice still has probably some of the best hands and fastest hands. Uh, in amateur fighting, I would not call, I, although he gets paid as a professional, uh, I consider him amateur. That said, I'm not sure that a 53-year-old Herschel Walker uh, versus a 41-year-old Kimbo Slice has, has much of a chance. Every time Kimbo steps in the ring, the sport takes a step back. But every time Herschel steps in the ring, the sport takes 3,500 sit-ups <laughs> forward, Adam. <laughs> My money's on Walker. Herschel Walker would definitely beat Kimbo Slice, dude. Yeah, Kimbo Slice, I, the only fight I ever watched him was the one, the infamous loss, now where all the hype in the world was on him. And homeboy who was a, like a backup, like an understudy, came in and just beat him and knocked him Are down. Are you talking about the street fights or octagon fights? What was it? No, he was like he's a, he's his a, bum fights. No, I didn't. I didn't do deep research on his bum fighting okay. days. I, I'm talking about when he lost and destroyed that whole. You're right. Organization. I know exactly what you're talking. I think hurt. Right. I put my money on the guy. He Herschel did Walker. destroy. It did destroy the organization. Uh, he probably was overmatched in that. That said, I'm not sure about the caliber of fighter that Herschel Walker has been up against either. I'm gonna go Kimbo Slice. With on with a few lucky punches, but Kimbo Slice. I think Herschel Walker is a man's man for doing MMA after a lifetime of football pounding, 
And uh, I'm not sure if I want to see him back in the ring, but I definitely like applaud him for giving it a shot. And uh, damn, that's all I gotta say. Damn. I think some guys you just can't get it out of them. He's been a lifelong competitor, uh, probably underperformed during his NFL career, and just wants to keep going. So uh, it's his body. Yeah. Keep the keep the setups up. No, don't. You know, don't go easy on it. I mean, basically, our routine. Yeah, thirty-five hundred tonight. I'm just start right now. Um, been, I've been doing sit-ups this entire time, <laughs> and you sound great, buddy. Ding the bell. That's our show for this ding, week. Ding, 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 ding. Vroom, 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 vroom. Yeah, uh, Gil Brown. Hey, just want to give a quick uh, shout out to him. What a great guest. It's real passion for cars. Um, called me soft. Uh, I can't argue with that. Said I was the tallest PR guy he'd ever seen. He's right. Yeah. No, he is right. Um, a couple other shout-outs. Uh, our producer, editor extraordinaire, our tech guy, our everything, Joe Reed. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Brad Sheehan helped us uh, get Chris Cluey a couple weeks ago. I didn't give him a shout-out for but thank you very much for, for that. And just a reminder to people to continue to go on iTunes, search Just Not Sports, uh, rate, review, subscribe. It's a three-part process. Let us know what you think about the show. It really helps our visibility there. You can follow us on Twitter, at Just Not Sports. You can go to our website, justnotsports.com, where we will post occasional uh, musings and ramblings about what athletes are doing in the sports world. And uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. Adam, got any shout-outs, buddy? Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say Brad already thanked him, but uh, Gilbert Brown, thanks so much for coming on. Gilbert was one of those guys who uh, was really kind to me as a young PR guy in the NFL uh, we've managed to to stay in touch over the years and um, really appreciate you taking the time to join us, Gilbert, and talking about your passion for automobiles um, and a few others really, really important to me. Um, I just want to say, uh, I want to give a shout out to my boy Uzi, mm-hmm. uh, Def Jeff, oh, yeah. Little Swanee, Meech. Ron Mack and... Uh, uh, would you like to do your other cousin, Ron? Oh, yeah, my other cousin, Ron. Love those guys. Everybody, thank you for listening. And just remember, in the words of Shaq, booty rappers, stay, stay booty. booty. <laughs> stay booty. Stay booty. Oh, I'm bound to take flight.